The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee, There you will see him. This is my message for you. They left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The Gospel of the Lord. It was Easter Sunday, and I was four years old, and I had on my brand new white Easter dress with that itchy slip that scratched my waist, patent leather shoes, lace-trimmed ankle socks, the bonnet with the ruffles and the white flowers and a yellow ribbon cinched up under my chin, and my new white cotton gloves. We got out of the car at the church, and my mother and father went inside the building where the grown-ups were gathering. But I ran around the outside of the church to check on the frogs. See, our church sat out in a field. Suburbia hadn't yet taken over with its manicured perfection, and so it was essentially a country field. And in the flower bed, along one side of the sanctuary, I got down on my hands and knees, and I began searching for my rain frogs. They are just so cute. They're only an inch tall, bright spring green. They would nestle at the base of the plants, hiding, but they would jump if I startled them and it made it easy to catch them in my hands. I was very gentle and careful, but the poor little things were so frightened that they would pee all over me. Then suddenly the church bell started ringing and I ran in to find my parents, my white dress covered in bits of grass, my shoes wet with the morning dew, and my white gloves covered in frog pee. It was a fitting way to celebrate the resurrection, I think, although my mama disagreed, because the story of Easter is messy. There's a lot of fear that first Easter, and a lot of joy, and there's the power of God bringing life, and life, if you have the guts to get involved in it, is messy. The religious authorities were afraid that first Easter. Jesus' followers had been saying that after three days he would come back to them, which wasn't good. Jesus made people's lives messy. He colored outside the lines. He made friends with the wrong people. He ate at the wrong tables. He had this habit of healing people on the Sabbath. And it was really irksome the way he kept breaking their customs and rules. 
and he made the Roman authorities nervous, too. So the chief priests and the scribes had tried to control the situation. They tried to discredit Jesus, and when that didn't work, they manipulated the political authorities and had him killed. It's what we do when we're afraid. We take control, or we attempt to. Now Jesus is dead and buried in the tomb, and the religious authorities are still nervous. So they post a couple of Roman guards at the entrance to the tomb. It would be, I think, a tidy place to end the story of Jesus, the perfect place to kind of fade out and roll the credits. A sad ending, but at least a safe and predictable one. Tombs are not messy. Nothing happens in a tomb. Nothing gets misplaced. Tombs are tidy, contained, essentially unchanged, a dead-end road that takes you nowhere. Sometimes we let fear entomb us. We don't really live. Instead, we play it safe. We don't get involved. To love is to risk heartache. When we include people in our lives, we also risk losing those people. Sometimes if we've known a lot of loss, maybe we stop making new friends. We turn in. With life comes death and the fear of death. So we live smaller and we hedge our bets. And if we never reach, well, then maybe we won't know what it feels like to fail. We may gain nothing, but at least we've risked nothing. There's a lot of fear in this world right now. I hear gun sales are going up again, that gun stores are apparently considered essential to life. There's this fear that we're about to have a crime spree and that armed intruders are going to break into our homes and steal, I don't know, our last box of graham crackers off the shelf. And then there's the fear of dying. And we're all going to die. So we all have that fear to some extent which is why we take our vitamins and put on our seatbelts and wear helmets and keep both feet on the ground. But someday, in spite of our best efforts to prevent it, we are going to die. And all of this being cooped up right now during the COVID pandemic is maybe making us realize that there are worse things than death, like maybe not having lived, really lived, at all. It's causing us to question whether we want to go back to the way things were, to the tried and the familiar. Or do we want a new normal? And what would that new normal be? What will we put back into our lives when this great pause is over? I'm assuming some people have paused. I haven't paused as much as I had hoped to, but... What has COVID caused us to value more? What will we want to hold on to and savor going forward? That first Easter and every Easter there is fear and there is joy. Easter is about life. And life at its best is messy. If humans were writing the story, well, Jesus would be buried, and the authorities would place an armed guard at the entrance of the tomb so no one could break in and steal the body. 
and we'd cry and say, isn't it a shame? How sad. And then we'd all go home and eventually life would return to normal. That's if humans were writing the story. But God says, no, stop. That's not the ending. Lucky for you, you're not writing the story, God says. I am. I've got this. I'm in control. And so when Mary and the other Mary and all of us tagalongs show up at the, to stare at the tomb this morning, God decides to shake things up a little. Suddenly, out of nowhere, there is an earthquake. And while the earth is still trembling, a heavenly messenger looking like a bolt of lightning shows up. And then God pretty much blows the stone off the entrance to the tomb and the lightning-like messenger sits on it. And I swear there is a smirk on her face. And those fearsome Roman guards who were supposed to be guarding the entrance drop to the ground in a dead faint. But the women are still standing. And so are we. And here's the thing. Jesus does not come walking out of the tomb because apparently before any of this takes place, Jesus has already made his escape. The spectacle, it turns out, is all for our sake. It's like God is saying, have I got your attention? And we nod. And God says, good. And God says, do not be afraid. Because that's always the first thing that God says to us. Do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. So go ahead and peek into the tomb. I know you're dying to. But he isn't there. He's on his way to Galilee. And there you have it. Where there should have been an ending, there is a new beginning. And we are now the players For those who were willing to step out in faith, the story goes on and on and on. Go quickly, God says, and tell his disciples, that's everyone, male and female. Tell them that Jesus has been raised. Tell them to go to Galilee and there you will see him face to face. I don't know about you. You can stay here at the tomb if you want to, but I'm going to Galilee because life with Jesus is incredibly rich and messy and wonderful and scary and joyous and full. And we can stand here with frog pee on our gloves and we can sing hallelujah. Amen.